guys, welcome into the first of the new expanded Crowpod content here on Anchor. Uh, this is the new secondhand news podcast with uh, me, Shane, of course. Uh, what, what I'm planning on doing here, taking a irregular look at uh, media items of, of interest. Of course, as, as many of you know, before I retired uh, to simply be Rangers Twitter's former ninth most popular Rangers supporter, uh, I, I spent a long time as a journalist. Um, and, and used to do a lot of this kind of work on the crow and, and the original pod. And of course, David would have me on heart and hand every once in a while to talk about this kind of stuff from the, uh, perspective of a journalist. So basically what we're going to do is, um, I'm, I'm going to look at some shit that's been bugging me in the media and, uh, tell you why, uh, I'm bright. So <laughs> let's just kick it off right away. And get down to, to one, of, one of our favorite topics over the years, of course, Keith Jackson, who um, still has not recovered, uh, one might say, from being snubbed for a drink in a hotel lobby by Dave King. And, and, and it is remarkable how few sources he has uh, at Ibrox these days. I mean, he, he's written a lengthy column today. Uh, Rangers reveling in battles off the pitch, but may not get one on it as Celtic rebuild remains miles off. Well, well done with the, you should have gone for miles away. But uh, the the you know the premise of this, of course, is wrapped up in the uh, the new SPFL uh, television contract and sponsorship deal. Neither of which are are all too uh, impressive. Um, the 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 best part, of course, though, is that Keith. Despite this being the the main premise of, of this whole column, made it all of ooh, five paragraphs. I want to say maybe six before he just had to go on to the fact that we're by far the better team on the pitch and uh, uh, you know Celtic are well a shit show right now. Um, but I mean the, the the reason for this again, of course, Keith, Keith has no sources inside of Ibrox. I mean no one talks to him. I, I'm not sure anybody at any club talks to him, but. Um, yeah, it's one of his usual little hit jobs, you know, the the, the little bitch slappy stuff. Uh, calling out Stuart Robinson for, um, well, you know, I think we all saw his kind of, his, uh, his discussion about the the Sky TV deal and the in the new Cinch uh, Premiership uh, uh, contract. There, it is befuddling to a sense because you know Jackson Pryor has has said. If Neil Doncaster can't do a better job as the uh, the head of the SPFL, he should go. Um, and I'm not sure what a, a deal totaling less than, well, I mean, basically a thousand quid per match for us, right? It's it, the, the cinch deal is worth around thirty-eight thousand pounds per club per year uh, across the forty-two clubs. I'm not sure. You know, I, I would assume the Premiership clubs get a little bit more, but. It's, that's still a disgustingly low figure. Uh, Rangers, of course, did not come out at the weekend with the uh, the little shoulder patch that we're used to seeing for the league. Um, of course, some have also speculated that might be down to Dougie Park. And honestly, you know, fuck it if it is. I mean, if, if Rangers are out here just to set fire to tears and uh, uh, <laughs> just openly mock and ridicule what the SPFL is doing, I'm all for it as long as, you know, it doesn't end up in like a point deduction or anything. Um, but to, to get back to Keith here, I mean, if we can go back now, it, it, it's the thing. 
it's the damnedest thing for Keith. And you think being a journalist like he is, he, he'd remember this kind of stuff is out there. You know, the Internet's a hell of a thing. And uh, I'd, I'd like to take the time to thank a, a former Crow contributor, Derek Miller, who you can find on Twitter at Derek Miller Time, for uh, rustling up this, this great, uh, great audio. Now, now, this is one of those nice daily record video podcast things. That, I don't know if you remember this. We're really hungover. Keith Jackson is uh, sat in a chair talking to a couple other people in the record offices about whatever the hell is going on in the world of Scottish football. And uh, well, you know, just just have a listen. Have a listen to Keith's tone and tenor about just what should happen to Neil Doncaster, and, and compare it to where we are today. Neil Doncaster, over to you. If I'm not very much mistaken, there's a TV deal that he's renegotiating. If you can't double or treble the amount of money that we are bringing into Scottish football right now, you want to go and resign and appoint a principal. You've got a great product. Go and sell it. Now that, that is a, uh, <laughs> that's a far cry from the attitude Keith brought out here uh, uh, today. And I can only imagine he's going to keep banging on more and more about this. I mean, you know, to, to quote him here from his column, but while it's hard to fathom exactly what little Stewart is attempting to achieve by taking on all comers, there will be some interesting conversations to be had this week at Hamden's sixth floor where his recent reelection to the boardroom is concerned. This overly aggressive approach is also completely out of character for Rangers managing director, who hardly has a reputation as a hot-headed bruiser. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, it's, it's massive spitballing. And not a single mention, right? The TV deal should be doubled or trebled. Not a single mention calling for the head of Neil Doncaster. None. This man who's an abject failure, who's overseen just the complete devalue of Scottish football. And, of course, you know, t- taking over from the reins of the great Roger Mitchell, who sold the TV contract up the river to to a guy apparently with a couple tinfoil plates over in Ireland. Uh, I, I mean, the SPL never recovered from the Satanta deal. And it shows no signs now uh, under Doncaster's brilliant leadership and his 400,000-pound-per-year pay packet might note that would be the complete advertising value of the cinch deal for fully 10 SPFL clubs over the course of a year. So a quarter, a quarter of the SPFL's uh, big advertising name brand sponsor is going to pay Neil Doncaster's pay packet. That's, that's some astounding work. If you can get it, I, I, I don't know where the hell Keith is on the because he was so so brave and bold to call for Doncaster's head if we didn't double or treble the TV deal. Well, I hate to break it to you, but we didn't. And not only that, the Sky deal now only calls for 48 matches have to be broadcast per year. It used to be 60. It used to be 60. So you've lost fully 20% of your television time for the league. Uh, the value of the contract is not going up. And, and of course, it's, I mean, it's absolutely disgusting in comparison to leagues like you know, the Polish top division, the Swedish and Norwegian top divisions. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing. But Keith, intrepid as always, has no time to call out Neil, has no time to go knock on the door at Hamden, just has time to sit there and fire out five paragraphs about Stuart, Stuart Robertson before going on to just talk about how bad Celtic are and how good Rangers are. Uh, all right, we're we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
All right, welcome back into uh, Secondhand News, the uh, the new Crow Five podcast here, in which I'm going to look at the bullshit the media is doing. Um, and and we've, we've got some old bullshit to cover today. Uh, in fact, it's bullshit from uh, six years ago yesterday when uh, Graham Spears and Chris McLaughlin were, uh, well, told not to come back to Ibrox to work. Um, Spears, of course, took it as well as one would expect, uh, lying through his teeth about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why he was given his uh, his walking orders? Uh, if we can go back here, this is this is somebody reporting from it at the time, uh, back in uh, August first of twenty fifteen. But Spears went on uh, on the ball after the announcement and uh, said he had a very civilized conversation with Paul Murray yesterday, uh, who seemed as much in the dark about the ban as I was, and he he kept on that Rangers had been very very vague as to why the ban was. Um, of course, that was not at all the case. Spears can't stop himself from lying. Uh, Rangers laid out in very clear detail to all the publications that the uh, the freelancer Graham was working with at the time, uh, just why he was no longer going to be issued any press credentials. Um, and of course, Spears then had to go on and tell the lie that uh, he uh, he he hadn't worked, <laughs> he hadn't had any press privileges or press card at Ibrox for three years prior to this. Um, and again, the, all, all it took was us, uh, reaching out to people in the Rangers media team at the time to confirm that Spears had in fact worked a match just months prior as, uh, <laughs> even his own byline would have shown. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever Spears, good luck. I, I hope your podcast is going well. Chris McLaughlin, of course, is the more, uh, well, dynamic one here. And the, and the one that people seem to get hung up on because people still talk about the BBC, being banned from Ibrox, and that and that's not the case. Um, you know, it, it comes up. I mean, it'll come up on Twitter often. Uh, it'll come up in other shows. It'll come up in God knows what. And now there's there's apparently rumors that, uh, of course, over at Sharkhead that they're looking at uh, actually doing it, uh, banning the BBC or at least eliminating their access to uh, to their new manager who can't stop putting his foot in his mouth, <laughs> um, which uh, you know. Not, not really the job I think Big Ange was brought in to do. Uh, he's, he's not so much there to stir the pot. But Chris McLaughlin, who at the time was BBC Scotland's chief football reporter, uh, of course was also told that he would no longer be allowed press access to Ibrox on the same day as, as Graham Spears. Um, and I think it's important to remember, um, well, just some of the... Uh, some of the some of the narrative around this, especially spit out by BBC Scotland to this day, to this day, who say that they are maintaining their uh, press boycott of Rangers in solidarity with, with their reporter. Now, one, McLaughlin's no longer even their chief football reporter. In fact, I think he's still locked up in a hotel in Tokyo waiting to start covering the Olympics. Um, two, as, as we discuss at great detail, you know, back, fuck, I think in 2019, what, when they were still talking about this boycott because of because of Chris McLaughlin, um, that, you know, the BBC Scotland, of course, has past history for not really following the guidelines of, of uh, well, whatever the fuck London tells them to do, right? Uh, we, we've seen this over the years. And, and you know, God, we go through these spells where it seems like they have to issue an apology to the club Every every other week, um, but in 2019, 
uh, again, they, they were back out defending the fact that they were going to continue their boycotts, continue to fail to uphold their obligation to Scottish license holders, right? Because, I mean, you, this is part of what they're getting paid to do, and, and they refuse to cover the biggest club in the country. Um, because uh, 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 McLaughlin's ban from working at Ibrox. And it was funny because Dan Rohn, who, uh, uh, of course, works for the part of the BBC that kind of does his job, as opposed to Pat Key, um, was banned by Manchester City uh, at one point in 2012 uh, after, after they said he gave a serious and cynical misrepresentation of what uh, Patrick Vieira had said in an interview. Did the BBC in England stop covering Manchester City? Have they gone back to cover Manchester City at any point in the past nine years? Well, yes, of course, because that's, you know, what a media outlet does. The problem, though, of course, was that Chris McLaughlin had spent years uh, up to the point of his ban being a water carrier for the Easdales and Chuck Green and everybody else because he, he effectively republished emails directly from Jack Irvin uh, uh, and, and would often hide them behind posts without a byline on the BBC website, M much like he did when he got the, uh, the, the match delegate report uh, from the 6-2 match against Hibbs in uh, 2015, which is actually what, what kind of kicked off this whole thing finally. Um, the, the SPFL match delegate, uh, who I believe, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, um, from that match was actually former Celtic employee George Douglas um, <laughs> gave, gave McLaughlin details from the match report before it had even been filed with the SPFL. This was the impetus for, you know, the, the, the I guess the last straw with McLaughlin, one of which he's never explained or apologized for. Uh, the BBC, for its, uh, for its efforts, offered the, uh, the Rangers Supporter Trust at the time a pretty mealy-mouth apology or explanation for, for uh, why McLaughlin would do this. Of course, McLaughlin then came out and said, uh, he always asked the match delegate if there's any problems, I would report this, blah, blah, blah. And, and he'd given very specific details as to arrests of Rangers supporters uh, at the 6-2 uh, at the Easter Road. And again, it, it said, I would cover this the same way if it was any other club. But, but the reality was Chris McLaughlin hadn't mentioned the word arrest on Twitter for f over four years up to that point. And, and, and you won't win any prizes for guessing what club he was talking about the last time he mentioned the word arrest. So, I mean, it was, it was outside of his remit. And, and it's kind of funny, too, the, the, just to wrap this up. I mean, the BBC's response and still maintained position to this day, of course, is to boycott games because Chris McLaughlin can't be there. But what got his ass in trouble in the first place was reprinting almost verbatim emails from Media House uh, with false and misleading information about Rangers. Uh, I mean, he was willing to carry water. There were people in his office that knew he was doing it. There were editors at the BBC that knew he was doing it. And they were more than happy to go along with it. Uh, and eventually, of course, Rangers just, just said enough. I, I, the BBC, you know never really confronted that part and has never addressed it in any statement or, or, or response to, to any of the Ranger supporters groups or anybody else since then. And, and of course, back in the day, I mean, we'd asked them for comment numerous times, numerous times, but none of them would address that very specific issue. 
And of course, none of that really matters because you don't need to be there in person at IROX to recycle emails for Media House. Uh, that's that's work that you can do remotely. So I guess, uh, you know, to borrow a phrase from one of our, our favorite Sevco bloggers out there, for the avoidance of doubt, uh, the BBC is not banned, of course, from IROX. Uh, they just choose not to show up. Um, which, you know, to go back to, to the first half of this here, with Keith's worry about uh, maybe us breaking contracts and stuff like that, I, I do find it funny that there isn't a media reporter at any other news outlet in Scotland covering the fact that, um, well, the, the national broadcaster uh, is refusing to cover uh, the, the largest sporting body in the country. But, uh, you know, why would anybody want to pick up a job like that? So that's going to wrap it up. I'm going to keep these ones short. Hit on the things I want to hit on and get the fuck out. I don't know. Maybe I'll do some interviews. Maybe I'll do some other stuff. Let me know what you think of this first edition, Secondhand News. And we will see you Wednesday for the regular Crow Pod this week. We're, we're going to put it off a day, uh, obviously, the football tomorrow. And our good Canadian friend Todd has family in town. So we will see you Wednesday for the Crow Pod.